The fourth Sunday of Easter every year, we read from a, a, a portion of the 10th chapter of St. John's Gospel, or the Gospel, more appropriately, the Gospel according to John. And that whole Gospel, or the whole chapter, is uh, a, a running um, speech on Jesus uh, that he is the sheep gate, the sheepfold, the shepherd, the one who protects the flock. And uh, it is a beautiful thing to reflect on. And uh, today with this image of sheepfold and, and the gate, we might not fully understand what, uh, what he's taking and perhaps we're like the Pharisees, we don't realize what he's trying to tell us either. And so often we might have the idea of modern uh, sheep keeping methods. Uh, and uh, for those, and I know we have some parishioners that, that raise sheep and maybe some here uh, that, that do or have, uh, but how they raise sheep in the Middle East even yet, uh, for, by and large, is very different than here. Well, here in the United States, we, we have the pens, and we, when we need to round up the sheep, we have the dogs and the, the four-wheelers and all those things, and we go by the sides and behind and try to drive them where we want them to go. But the Bedouin communities that uh, still thrive in the Middle East, uh, Israel itself is still has a good number of communities that wander from pasture to pasture, they do something very different. The shepherd walks in front of the sheep. He, usually he, although there are a few women, uh, will speak to them or whistle or play a penny flute or some sound will make some kind of noise that the sheep can just simply follow by listening. And so part of that is because sheep are uh, usually uh, pretty voracious they want to keep their heads down and eat it as much on the way as they can. And so a, sh uh, a shepherd, knowing that, will simply lead the sheep from pasture to pasture, speaking to them. As you could imagine, though, this is tiring work. It requires him or her to be uh, available and watching over the sheep at all times. And especially because sleep is so necessary, at night, it is a dangerous time. And so they, uh, the Bedouin communities have a number of sheepfolds throughout their area, like uh, if you want to imagine a big uh, walled-in area, with one gate. And there's usually somebody there who, during the night, will keep watch. They'll put not only just one flock, but two, three, five flocks in, as, as much as uh, that sheepfold can hold. A number of different flocks, that would stay overnight, the uh, sheepfold owner or operator would watch them, and the shepherds would get some much needed rest. As you can imagine, though, in the morning, how do you separate the sheep? In the United States, we'd have to go through and look at the tags or, 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 or whatever. But because the sheep in the Middle East with its Bedouin communities know their master's sound, all the master, the shepherd, has to do is make that sound. The sheep that are not his run. The sheep that are his run towards him. It's a beautiful thing. They know the voice of their shepherd, and they follow him. That's what Jesus is saying today here. They know the voice of the shepherd. In fact, the word that is translated as voice isn't just voice like you're hearing me, but it's any sound. 
And I find some comfort in that because I don't know about you, but I haven't heard the voice like you're hearing my voice of Jesus. I haven't heard the voice of God uh, speaking to me the same way that you hear my voice or I hear your voices. So what's the sound of God? Well, that's the question, perhaps, that we need to be so accustomed to hearing the sound of God, the voice of God, this phone in Greek, the sound, that we recognize it immediately. And then we know this is the one who loves me, this is the one who protects me, this is the one who guides me. Why is it so important? Because, as you can imagine, the sheepfold in the morning, there's other shepherds, some not so kind. Shepherds who would come to steal and slaughter and destroy. Thieves that would sneak in, not through the gates, but sneak in and try to do as much damage as he can. And uh, I know it's perhaps a bad pun, but we can either listen to the phone of God or the phony voices. And we have so many phony phony voices in our world today that scream and yell at at us, seeking attention. We have media and TV and uh, movies and music. Not all of it is bad, but so much of it has a message that's contrary to our faith. We live in a world that is so prone to following the whims of the world that I'll make a little uh, political little stab in the dark, but, you know, we we live in a world that tells us there's climate change, and yet the only climate change I continue to see is how political uh, correctness is running amok. What used to be politically correct 10, 15 years ago is now incorrect. And anyone who says certain things, defending the dignity of marriage as between a man and a woman, or saying we were created by God in his image and likeness as male and female. It's seen as hate speech now. Why? Because this phony world, the phony voice of the world, keeps changing. Because it's not based in the truth, as the voice of God always is. Further, we have another phony voice and that's the most insidious of all. And his greatest trick is to trick us to believe that he does not exist. Or that if he does, if we do admit he exists, that really it's not that big a deal. Yes, I don't believe Satan is under every rock or behind uh, every door or around every corner, but he is real and he's active. And he works in our lives to disrupt us, to get us to do anything he can to help us Avoid hearing that voice of God. And he uses the same tricks. St. Ignatius of Loyola actually names those tricks in his discernment of spirits. He, he names these tricks that he's, he's relentless. He keeps after us and he goes for that weakness. St. Augustine, in, in talking about the Good Shepherd, talks about how the wolf goes for the throat of the sheep. Why? Because then the sheep can't bleat. The sheep can't cry out to the shepherd who will find the sheep. And how Satan goes after our throats. He silences us. As Catholics, as Christians, he silences us and tells us, you can't talk about that. 
resilences us and telling us that, that it is not that big a deal, or if we talk about that, we're going to be looked at as odd or, or whatever it is. So he silences us. Or he tells us, go ahead and, and do that thing that you want. And so much of the world and so much of Satan tell us, tells us, do what feels good. It, it, as long as you're not hurting somebody, it's, it's okay. And to, to uh, be honest, I heard somebody say that once, and a couple months later, I asked, and I challenged them on that, you know, not that I let that go, but I challenged them, and a few months later, even that went out the window. Well, as long as I'm not hurting myself, it doesn't matter. And, and, and pretty soon, it was, they were pretty deep into it, into a problem. The world tells us this is okay. Satan tells us this is okay. Go ahead and do it, Satan says. And as soon as we do it, ah, I got you now. And then Satan does even worse, telling us that there's no forgiveness. What we've done, there's no forgiveness for. See, Satan's greatest trick is shame. He tells us we're wrong, we're bad, we're evil. He goes back to that wounds, the, the wounds that we have, and, and we all have them. They're all expressed a different, in a different way. I'll admit, I, I recognized one of those uh, wounds uh, last week. We were supposed to have a second collection for the mission of love because I goofed up and forgot all about it. Uh, we'll have it again this weekend for those that didn't participate. But the immediate accusation in my mind is, you're a complete screw-up. You can never do anything right. Because I simply forgot Satan was trying to trick that. Oh, we listen to those lies so easily. And they're phony. They're lies. And yet we listen. Why? Because we're not accustomed to listening to the voice of the shepherd. Or if we do, Satan or the world screams louder. So the question remains, how do we listen to the voice of the shepherd? How do we get to know the shepherd's voice? It's not just because we want more, more people to be faithful, but because how necessary it is to hear that voice of the shepherd, prayer is so necessary. But so often when we pray, perhaps, and I have nothing, I, I love the rosary and I pray it daily and, and I, I think it's a wonderful tool, but if we're praying the rosary so fast that sparks are flying, maybe we're not praying it as we should. We need to pray it in a way that we can meditate on the mystery that is in front of us, that we're contemplating. Or, or the rote prayers that we pray, if all we're doing is rote prayers and we're not being quiet and listening to the voice of the shepherd, the sound of the shepherd, then we're just speaking to ourselves so often. We need, be, need to be quiet and listen, too. And then reading scripture, how important that is, because when we read Scripture, every single, I, I would say, every single word speaks of Jesus Christ. Oh, not uh, directly or, or so, so obvious that we can, it, it strikes us every single word, but Jesus Christ is spoken of. And when we read the Scriptures, we begin to incorporate the truth of the Scriptures into us. And we begin to hear how God thinks. We begin to hear how God loves us, how he's created us special, how we are, as Bishop Zelensky keeps pointing out, we are a big deal. 
And when we read the scriptures, we begin to hear that voice of the shepherd time and again and again. So anytime we hear anything that's a lie, we can immediately recognize it. When we hear Satan telling us that we're never good enough, we can hear God telling us the truth, that he's created us in his image and likeness, that he knit us together in our mother's wombs. This is a truth that we need to hear. We need to get, get accustomed to hearing the voice of the shepherd through reading, reading lives of the saints, reading lives of, of those who have gone before us, who've, who too have perhaps struggled to hear the voice of the shepherd, but have listened all the same. I'll admit last night I was doing a little search for different quotes of St. Edward the Confessor, our great patron saint here at St. Ed's. There's not a whole lot of quotes that I found. But his last words are beautiful. I'm soon departing the land of the dying. And I hope that I shall see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living. Talk about beauty there. I found myself reflecting, land of the dying, where, where, where does that come from? And I, I think it comes from the, the resurrection of Jesus, the angels in Luke telling Mary Magdalene, why are you looking for, the, for he who is alive among the dead? We can learn the voice of the shepherd by following and reading the lives of the saints. God has not abandoned us, and God is not silent. If we listen to the voice, the phony voices of the world, our own brokenness, or Satan himself, then we will not be able to hear the voice of God. Because as Elijah experienced, God speaks in that still, small voice, in the quiet, in almost the nothingness of our lives. If we're not silent to listen, if we don't calm our hearts and minds to be calm and to, to hear the voice of the shepherd, we won't. We need to be quiet. We need to be praying, reading scripture, reading the lives of the saints, spending time with others who are seeking holiness. This is the only way we get to know the voice of the shepherd. And when he calls, we can say, yes, I know that's him. That's him who loves me, him who protects me, him who guides and leads me.